Welcome, one and all, to the Inblex Test Prep Podcast. My name is David. I am your host on this wonderful, fabulous, amazing, uh, any other descriptors I can use, um, joyous uh, journey through the Massage and Bodywork Licensing Exam. So uh, basically how this works, I know it's been a while since my last podcast. Some of you have been waiting very patiently, even though I, I said it would not take as long as, as it usually does. It took even longer for me to make a new one. I apologize uh, for that. So um, how this works is I give you a subject that you might be tested on on the Mblex. We talk about that a little bit uh, and hopefully get you more prepared for that exam. Uh, at the end, I will do a test question. I'll read a test question for you uh, where I, I help you break it down into smaller parts and help you figure out how to get a lot of these test questions right that you might see on the Mblex. So it's um, really the best Mblex podcast out there. It's probably the only Mblex test prep podcast out there. Uh, but hey, you're in the right spot for sure. Um, some quick updates on what's going on with me, uh, in, in the books. I have launched my own, uh, publishing company. It's called Wanderer Studios. Uh, I have a website. Uh, it's not very good at the moment. Uh, it's, it's a work in progress. Oh, we'll just, we'll just say that. Not that it's not good. It's just a work in progress. So if you are looking at publishing, uh, getting a book or something like that published, just send me send me an email. My email address is david at wandererstudios.us, uh, and we'll see what we can do. Um, speaking of getting stuff published, I am currently writing, uh, still currently writing, a pathology book designed specifically for massage therapists. So in the, um, hopefully in the next month or two, that is complete. I've, I've got a little bit left to do on it. Then it's just kind of cleaning it all up, making it presentable, uh, and then getting it, uh, getting it released. Um, so that's, uh, that's kind of what's going on. So if you are looking for pathology, just keep an eye out over the next couple months. So, uh, that's, that's about it. Um, oh, one quick thing, of course. Uh, if you have purchased my study guide, any of my study guides, any of my books, please consider leaving a review of them on Amazon.com. Uh, reviews are how I make my money, basically. So uh, if if you could leave a review, uh, a nice review, something something that. Uh, just some nice words that would be awesome. Just go to Amazon, uh, find your find the book that you ordered, um, and just leave a review. That's all I ask. Just review my book, please, please, please. Okay, so uh, that's about it for our little intro. Uh, I'm going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll get started. Welcome back. Let's begin. Today we are going to talk about the endocrine system. Okay, so the endocrine system, the main structures that we find in the endocrine system are glands. Okay, but there are other types of glands that we gotta 
worry about, that we need to know, that are not part of the endocrine system. Okay, so like I say, every single podcast, you got to know your medical terms. Study your medical terminology. Get really efficient at medical terminology. It's going to make your life so much easier. So we look at the names endocrine, which is the system we're going to talk about, and then exocrine, which are other types of glands in the body. And we, we need to figure out basically what's going on with each one of those, what differentiates them. And easiest, the easiest way to do that is just to look at the name, endocrine versus exocrine. Okay, The prefix endo means inside. Crin means secrete. So with endocrine glands, they secrete their substances inside of something. Okay? And that something is the bloodstream. And that's how endocrine glands can get their substances, hormones, uh, throughout the body as quickly as possible. You think of something like uh, adrenaline or epinephrine. Uh, that reacts really quickly because it goes immediately into the bloodstream, so it kind of cycles through your body with one heartbeat, and uh, and you are ready to go. Uh, whereas exocrine glands, exo means surface or outside. Okay, so exocrine glands secrete their substances onto the surface of something. So examples are, say, the oil glands in your skin. Uh, you think about you know, if you don't take a bath or, or I mean, who takes baths these days? If you don't take a shower for a couple days, your skin's going to be really oily, right? So the, the sudoriferous glands and your sebaceous glands are secreting their substances onto the surface of the skin. Your sudoriferous glands, of course, your sweat glands. The sebaceous glands are, are the oil glands, okay? So those secrete substances onto the surface of something. You think about all of your, all the mucus that our body produces, like in the nose and in the nasal cavity and in the respiratory passages. Um, the, I mean, even the stomach is constantly producing a thick layer of mucus that is still secreting that, that substance onto the surface of something. So even though it's inside the stomach, it's on the surface of the stomach, if that makes sense, the inner surface of the stomach. Um, so this is the same thing with the nose. Your nose creates mucus that is secreted onto the surface of the inside of the nose. Okay, so those are more examples. Uh, your salivary glands, your parotid gland, uh, big gland kind of up by your cheeks that produce your saliva, those are exocrine glands because they secrete their substance, saliva, onto the surface of the mouth, okay? So again, you look at the names, endocrine, exocrine. It's not just where they secrete it, but what they make, too. Again, endocrine glands create hormones, okay? That's all they create, just hormones that go directly into the blood. Exocrine glands create stuff like, again, oil, sweat, and saliva, Mucus, okay? So, so basically the, the main places you're going to find exocrine glands are in your skin, in your respiratory system, your digestive system, okay? Uh, endocrine 
system is it's just the endocrine system. Okay, so you find those kind of all throughout the body. So it's not one specific spot. Okay, so let's talk about some specific glands that we that we need to know in the endocrine system. Okay, we'll start with the adrenal glands. And again, you you got to know your medical terminology. Okay, you know your medical terminology, then you know exactly where the adrenal glands are. Okay, so the prefix ad ad means towards. Okay, renal means the word the word root reno. It's actually where I'm. Yeah, reno. I mean, I'm in reno. Uh, reno. Reno means referring to the kidney. Okay, so add toward renal kidney. So these are somewhere related to the kidneys, and we know that that there are glands right on top of the kidneys. So the adrenal glands are on top of the kidneys. Okay. Now, what substances are created? What hormones? I'll just use that term. What hormones are are secreted by the adrenal glands? Now, of course, we're gonna we're gonna say adrenaline, right? That's that's pretty obvious. But adrenaline can can be known by another name. So this again, know your medical terms. Um, the name of this you can break down, um, and it, it still makes perfect sense. Uh, it tells you exactly where it's coming from. Okay. Now, these hormones are considered the stress hormones in the body. Uh, so when your body's under stress, um, you know, we, we have a, a, a sudden increase of these hormones being released into the body, which helps with our fight or flight, our sympathetic nervous response. Okay. Uh, these hormones are epinephrine and norepinephrine. Okay, epi means... Above, think about like epidermis. Um, oh, geez, um, epimesium, something that is above. Okay, neph means the same thing as rene, so it's kidney. So, uh, like a, a think about nephrons in in the kidney, and that kind of helps you connect that neph nephron inside the kidney. Rin again means secrete. Okay. So epinephrine, above kidney, secrete. Makes it a little easier, I think. Okay, so epinephrine and norepinephrine help to increase our blood pressure, our heart rate, and the amount of sugar that we have in our, in our blood. And all of these things are designed to help us either run away from something that's putting us in danger or to fight off something that's putting us in danger. Our fight or flight response, our sympathetic nervous response. Okay, so those are the hormones that help keep you safe, if that makes sense. Hopefully that makes sense. Okay, and they come from the adrenal glands. All right, moving on. Next gland we have is called the hypothalamus. So the hypothalamus itself, um, some people consider it the master gland, uh, where it kind of directs everything that kind of happens inside the body with the glands um, in the endocrine system. Another gland a lot of people consider the master gland 
Some people consider the hypothalamus the master gland because it tells that other gland what to do, but it's that other gland that produces all of these hormones that kind of help everything in the body uh, operate efficiently. Efficiently, excuse me, as my <coughs> as my mouth stops working, it's not helping my mouth. That's for sure. Um, so there's a little bit of of disagreement between people which one is the master gland the hypothalamus or this other gland that we'll talk about um so just be aware that it, you could you could see either one be called the master gland okay the hypothalamus itself um produces a specific hormone that is considered the reward center hormone so um i live in the beautiful state of nevada uh not nevada don't you dare say nevada it's nevada um, and we have casinos here, which the locals don't go into very often, but the tourists come here and they love to gamble. So when they gamble, they sit at the uh, slot machine or a roulette table, play blackjack or something like that. And they, let's say they're, they're playing, uh, playing penny slots and they hit the jackpot and they win like, like a couple hundred bucks, you know, um, what happens when when that situation occurs is you start to feel really good and really excited, right? It's because the hypothalamus has released this specific hormone into your bloodstream as a result of you winning at the penny slots, okay? Um, which hormone do you think this is? And I, I will give you a hint. It starts with the letter D, This hormone is dopamine. Okay. Dopamine is considered the, rewar the reward center hormone. Okay, So again, when you are victorious in something, uh, when you get really excited about, about something, uh, your body releases dopamine, your hypothalamus releases dopamine into the bloodstream, and, and that gets you really excited, which is why a lot of people can become addicted to something like gambling, because they're always trying to chase that feeling. They want to get that hit of dopamine um, in their in their blood. And I do have some experience with that. A uh, member of my family uh, is, is considered a gambling addict. Um, so I, I completely understand how, how that works. So... Dopamine, again, the reward center hormone released by the hypothalamus. Hypothalamus, again, some people consider the master gland. All right, moving on. Now we have the ovaries. If the ovaries are something that only females have, I mean, I, sh I shouldn't have to say that, but you'd be surprised how many people don't know their own anatomy. Um... Females only are, are, are the only people that have ovaries, okay? Males don't have ovaries. We have testes. So the ovaries are considered the female gonads, okay? So the, the, with the reproductive system, the ovaries are where the eggs are created, okay? But the ovaries are also also have the ability to create hormones, the main female hormones in the body that, that 
that kind of help with female development, you know, in increasing breast size and kind of giving giving people that the 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 feminine um, anatomy, if you will. Um, so what uh, what two hormones? What two hormones do you think are created by the ovaries? Now, these hormones are estrogen and progesterone, okay? So, again, these help with female development, giving, giving somebody the, the female characteristics, um, kind of help regulate everything that's going on with the female anatomy, and they also help with bone growth. I mean, estrogen is really important with the development of bones, and it's when a woman reaches the state of menopause where she's got to kind of watch the estrogen levels in her body, and, and specifically in regards to osteoporosis. It's when you don't have enough um, estrogen in the body, there isn't enough calcium um, going throughout the body. It's, it's a weird process. So what the body does is it starts pulling calcium out of the bones to compensate for that, and that leaves the bones a lot weaker. So, uh, ladies, when you, well, way before you get to the point of menopause, uh, you should start doing weight-bearing exercise, stuff like squats, weight lift for sure, do stuff like that, and that helps increase your uh, bone strength so that you aren't potentially at risk of fracturing something because you don't have as much estrogen in your body anymore. Okay, so the ovaries, again, create estrogen and progesterone. Okay, the pancreas is a... Pancreas is kind of fun. Uh, it is considered... A, it, it is an endocrine and an exocrine gland. Uh, so the exocrine portion, it creates what are called pancreatic juices, and it empties these juices into the duodenum, which is the very first part of the small intestine, uh, which helps to break down um, the food even further. The duodenum is the last place where food is digested in the digestive tract, okay? Then it moves on to the jejunum. Uh, I think we've done a podcast on the, uh, on the digestive system. Go back and listen to that. You get all the... Uh, the insights there. Okay, so the pancreas, the exocrine part, secretes those substances into into the duodenum. Again, exocrine on the surface of something, so it's inside the inside the small intestine, on the surface of the small intestine. Okay, the endocrine part of the pancreas. These are known as pancreatic islets. Okay, now these create something that goes into the blood that helps to regulate the blood sugar in the body. So we got two substances, two hormones, that are created by the pancreas that help to regulate blood sugar, the amount of blood, or the amount of sugar you have in the blood. Okay. The first one starts with a G, and it's created by alpha cells in the pancreas. Okay, and it's... It, Kind of, it, it kind of tells you what it what it's responsible for in the name. This substance is called glucagon. Okay, 
Now, glucagon is used to increase the amount of sugar you have in the blood. So if you're really low on, on blood sugar, maybe you eat something, and during the process of digestion, your glucagon can transform that into sugar, which your body uses for energy. Okay? So glucagon really important. Now, it's when we have too much sugar in our blood where it becomes a problem. I mean, too much or too little of something is always a problem. I mean, think about homeostasis. We're always fluctuating around that, uh, that set point, okay? So too much or too little. We don't like the extremes in our body. We, we like everything to be kind of moderate. So if we have too much blood sugar, uh, which happens to me on Saturdays, I, that's, my, that's my cheat day. So I, I, I go nuts on cheat day. Man, what did I have last week? I like, like a huge Cinnabon and a bunch of pizza, just a bunch of carbs. So carbohydrates are broken down into sugar. So we have too much sugar in our blood, and our body, or the pancreas, responds by producing this substance that helps to lower the amount of sugar in our blood, gets all that sugar out of there. What do you think? It starts with an I. It's made by beta cells in the pancreas. This substance is insulin. Okay. So we'll talk about diabetes at another time. So, um, but kind of the gist with diabetes and insulin is there are two types of, or I mean, technically three, two main types of diabetes, uh, type 1, type 2. So you can either have a resistance to insulin where the insulin just doesn't do anything, um, or you can have not enough insulin uh, because your blood sugar is just t way too high. Okay, so so insulin plays a very important role in diabetes and in decreasing the blood sugar levels. Now, with me on my cheat day, when I have all those carbs, you know, it gives you a ton of energy. You got a ton of sugar in your system, but eventually, um, you got uh, kind of an uh, too much insulin being introduced in your body, and it just wipes out all the sugar in your blood, um, which is what happens to me anyway. And then I get really tired after a few hours, and uh, and sometimes I, I crash. I have to take a nap or try to take a nap or just eat more carbs, uh, which is perfectly fine on, on cheat day, of course. Um, so I, I call that the insulin coma, where I just I just... I'm out because I've got too much insulin uh, trying to deal with all of the sugar that I've introduced into my body, which I don't really get a lot of during the week. So uh, anyway, the pancreas um, creates glucagon. Alpha cells in the pancreas create glucagon, which increases blood sugar. And beta cells in the pancreas create insulin, which decreases the blood sugar levels. All right, the pineal gland. Where is the pineal gland located? Pineal gland is located in the brain. Um, it, is, it is a pretty small gland, and it's only responsible for uh, one substance, one hormone. Now, if you've got problems with sleep, chances are you've heard of this hormone before. It starts with an M. Sometimes you can you can buy it over the counter in uh, in chewable form or or pill form. Too much of that, bad thing. Though. 
puts everything in moderation. This hormone is called melatonin. Okay, Melatonin is responsible for regulating your uh, wake sleep cycle. So it, it tells your body when it's time to go to sleep and it tells your body when to wake up and keeps you, you know, hopefully on a normal schedule uh, when it comes to sleep and wake. Um, so that's, I mean, that's essentially it. So if you have a lack of melatonin, your sleep cycle can be kind of, kind of all, all over the place. Uh, what some people do when they are, uh, traveling like overseas, like over to Europe or something, and they, and they have jet lags, they'll, they'll bring some melatonin with them, take it um, around the time they would normally, um, or they would, they would be going to bed at that time, um, and that kind of helps to fix their, the, the amount of jet lag that they have. Um, so something, something to look at. Now, me personally, if I, when I... <laughs> When I go overseas, I try to take the red eye on the way and sleep for five hours and wake up when it's uh, eight in the morning local time, and then I don't have jet lag. I mean, that's that's just what I do. All right, moving on. Next gland is the gland that some people consider the master gland. Remember, what's the other gland people consider the master gland? It is the hypothalamus. Right. Okay. So this gland, other people consider the master gland because the hormones that this gland produces are really important to the functioning of the body. So this gland is in the brain. Starts with a P. It is the pituitary gland. Okay. The pituitary gland is really important. Um, it, you know, and we'll, we'll just talk about it, creates three hormones that help to regulate a lot of the, the growth and development of the body. Okay. So let's, let's talk about the, the first, well, let's go in order. First home, first hormone that the pituitary gland creates is responsible for the amount of growth that a person will experience. And wouldn't you know it? It's called growth hormone. Okay, so growth hormone. If you have too little growth hormone uh, in your body, you could end up a little smaller than everyone else. If you've got too much, you could end up a lot bigger than everybody else. Um, there, there are some people who develop something like a tumor on their pituitary gland, and, and it just keeps producing that growth hormone well past the stages where they, um, where the growth hormone should have stopped producing. So they get really, 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 really big. Okay. Gigantism basically. And there are some people who, you know, like I said, the growth hormone levels really low. So they might develop something like dwarfism where they're just really, really short. Okay, so growth hormone helps to regulate the amount of growth that a person experiences. Now, if somebody's got something like a tumor on the growth or on the pituitary gland, they can potentially have that tumor removed, and that'll help to regulate the amount of growth hormone that they are getting in their body again. Which is what a lot of people with gigantism actually 
end up having done. Okay. okay, the next hormone that the pituitary gland creates has, well, let's, uh, I'll just give you the name. You try to guess what it does. Prolactin. Again, your medical terms. And so many, so many of these hormones in glands, you can use your medical terms with prolactin. Lactose is a type of sugar that you can find in. If you are lactose intolerant, what can you not eat or drink? Dairy or specifically milk. Okay, So prolactin stimulates milk production, which is really important when we are coming around to childbirth and stuff like that. Men can create uh, breast milk as well. Um, <laughs> fun story, when my uh, my first child was born, uh, about a week after he was born, I was I was holding him, and his nipple was a little puffy, so I, I like palpated it, squeezed it a little, and a little tiny drop of uh, breast milk came out. It's all those, uh, those female hormones, specifically the prolactin, um, that he was getting from my wife through breast milk. Um, so I have, I, <laughs> weird to say, I've milked my son. Very weird. It, so uh, prolactin uh, stimulates the production of breast milk. Okay, follicle-stimulating hormone. Follicle-stimulating hormone. Man, what could that deal with? Follicle. Man, that's a weird one, huh? Follicle-stimulating hormone is responsible for influencing the production of egg cells in women and sperm cells in men. Okay, So it's basically responsible for reproduction, essentially, which is a very important part of life, I think. I mean, there, there would be no human life without reproduction. Weird to think about. Okay, so the pituitary gland, really important when it comes to helping our body grow and develop, um, creates growth hormone, prolactin, and follicle-stimulating hormone. Okay, moving on, the testes. So we talked about the ovaries earlier, the, the female gonads. The testes, or testicles, are the male gonads. Okay, so there is one specific substance. Uh, sh this should be pretty easy. I mean... Uh, kind of in the name of the hormone um, that the testes make. Um, and it's considered the male hormone. So during puberty, we, as males, have an increased amount of this hormone. I mean, females have it too, but not in the amount that males have. Um, and it helps us to kind of kickstarts puberty, basically. What do you think? Which hormone is it? It is testosterone, testosterone, test of testosterone refers to the testes. Uh, it, does, it does not get much easier. So remember, testosterone produced by the testes. Um, testosterone is responsible for increasing bone mass and muscle mass. So you got an increased amount, I mean, among other things, but primarily bone mass and muscle mass. So you, you get bigger as a result of not just growth hormone from the pituitary gland, but from the, from the, uh, the, the testes, from the testosterone, okay? So remember, the testes create testosterone, which is the primary male hormone. Okay, and to wrap it up, one last gland, we have the 
thyroid. Okay, where is the thyroid? Hmm, that's weird. Weird gland, where is it? Now think about uh, a goiter. If you know what a goiter is, where do you find a goiter? Goiter's in the neck, right? A goiter is, is basically hyperthyroidism. Uh, produces a goiter where the the thyroid is just really inflamed and it causes a kind of huge bulge in the neck, the front of the neck. So the thyroid is located in the neck. Now the primary hormone that the thyroid creates that you need to know starts with a C. What do you think? And it has something to do with the calcium in the body. And that can kind of tell you the name of this specific hormone. This hormone is called calcitonin. Okay? Calcitonin is produced by the thyroid. And calcitonin's role is to decrease the amount of calcium that we have in our blood. Too much of one thing is bad, okay? So when you have too much calcium, of course, all, all these foods are fortified with calcium, like milk and yogurt and all this stuff. Um, orange juice, I've seen calcium fortified. That's what, when, when foods say they are fortified, that means they add the calcium in, okay? Uh, so you get too much calcium in the body, and, uh, I mean, bad things are going to happen, um, your bones could become a little weaker because the body senses, hey, there's plenty of calcium. I don't need to absorb as much as I can. Um, so your bones can become weak. And if you have too much calcium, you could develop kidney stones, which is never good. I've never had them. I don't want to have them. Um, that sounds awful, terrible, no good, very bad. So calcitonin helps to lower the amount of calcium that we have floating around in our blood. Okay, so it gets it back to a normal level, a normal operating level, which is, um, which is very important, okay? So calcitonin is created by the thyroid and helps to lower calcium levels in the body. Okay, so that about wraps it up for the endocrine system. There's not a whole, whole lot more I can go over. Um, Hopefully you got it. Uh, it's, it's not too complicated, not too many structures in there you need to know, but uh, some very important structures that you should know, so make sure you got that down. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, we will do the question of the week. Uh, question of the week. I, I completely forgot what I was going to say. Question of the week. Okay, so th this is a, an interesting question. Okay, here we go. Deltoid and supraspinatus share a common action. That action is A, extension of the shoulder, B, abduction of the shoulder, C, flexion of the shoulder, or D, abduction of the shoulder. Okay, I'm going to read that one more time. Deltoid and supraspinatus share a common action. 
that action is extension of the shoulder. A, extension of the shoulder. B, abduction of the shoulder. C, flexion of the shoulder. D, adduction of the shoulder. Okay, so immediately, um, what, what you are, what you should be looking at, um, you should, of, of course, try to figure out the answer. <laughs> I mean, obviously. Uh, what I immediately jump to is, okay, deltoid performs three main actions, three primary actions. I mean, it also helps to rotate uh, the shoulder medially and laterally, depending on which fiber we're talking about. Anterior uh, rotates medially, posterior rotates laterally. But since I don't see any of those, then I'm going... I'm basically looking at what three actions does the deltoid do, okay? So because there are four options and three actions, that means I can eliminate one answer immediately, okay? So I think about the deltoid, and I think, does it extend the shoulder? Yes, the posterior deltoid helps to pull back and extend the shoulder. Uh, abduction of the shoulder, so like aliens are abducting me, uh, taking me away. Does deltoid do that? Yeah, that's the primary, uh, the, the prime mover of abduction of the shoulders, the deltoid. Okay, so it definitely does that. And C, flexion of the shoulder. Well, I mean, you, you can flex your shoulder right now. You know, put your, put your arm out like you're going to shake somebody's hand and palpate, palpate the deltoid. See if any of those fibers feel like they're contracting. Definitely the anterior deltoid helps do that. Okay, so those three actions, I know that the deltoid does. So I can immediately eliminate D, adduction of the shoulder, because deltoid doesn't do that. Okay, so now we're down to three options. So even if you didn't know the answer immediately, you still have a 33 and a third percent chance. I'm not going to go Scott Steiner on you with my math. So some of you will get that reference. Uh, most of you will not. Uh, but I, you have a 33 and a third percent chance of getting this question right, as opposed to a 25% chance now, because you eliminated that one answer. Okay, so now that we've figured out it has to be one of these three, we start to think about supraspinatus and where it is. Okay, so just look at the name. Again, your medical terminology, you should, you should be focusing on that, because I can help you with this too. Supra. Supra means above, like superior. Um, spinatus tells you what it is above. Supraspinatus is above the spine of the scapula. Okay, it originates in the supraspinous fossa. Now, where does it insert? Now, that's that's the tricky. That's the tricky part. So, the insertion of the supraspinatus is the greater tubercle of the humerus. So it literally just comes, it doesn't twist, it doesn't wrap around anything other than, you know, kind of the top of the humerus. It's, it just runs in kind of a straight line down onto the greater tubercle of the humerus. Okay, so when a muscle contracts, when we're moving a joint and that muscle contracts that moves that joint, the insertion is going to move towards the origin. Okay, so 
think again, think about where that muscle is. And when it contracts, how is the insertion moving towards the origin? How is that muscle getting shorter, smaller, if you will? The length getting smaller. Is it extension? Is it extending the shoulder, bringing the arm back? Is it flexing the shoulder, bringing the arm forward? Or is it abducting the shoulder? Which one of those is going to make the supraspinatus shorter? The correct answer is B, abduction of the shoulder. Okay, deltoid, again, is the prime mover of abduction of the shoulder. But supraspinatus is a synergist to that action, and that's literally the only action the supraspinatus does. Okay, so supraspinatus comes from the supraspinous fossa over to the greater tubercle. When it contracts, it helps the deltoid pull the shoulder into abduction. And you can kind of feel that contract. you got to work through your, through your traps a little bit trying to palpate that, you locate the spine of the scapula just above that is a supraspinatus, and then you abduct your shoulder, and you should be able to feel that muscle contract beneath your fingers. I'm doing it right now. I can, I can feel it. So definitely give it a shot. And if you can't feel it on yourself, try feeling it on somebody else. Um, one of your classmates, perhaps. Tell them to uh, palpate their supraspinatus, have them abduct their shoulder, uh, and you should be able to feel that muscle contract. Okay? Okay, so that is going to do it for this episode of the Mblex Test Prep Podcast. I promise I will have more episodes uh, released a lot sooner than this one was. Um, I think I'm up to 15 episodes now, 15 and a little over a year. Yeah, that's, man, like one a month. That's not good enough. I got to do better. Uh, I will do better, I promise. Uh, again, uh, I do have study guides available. Actually, I didn't even say that. I have study guides available on Amazon. Uh, you can you can go directly to my website, and that'll link you over to Amazon. Go to imblextestprep.com. Go to the study guide section. You'll see every book that I've got uh, currently available. Uh, click over to Amazon. You're buying from me, so you can uh, rest assured you're getting a quality product. Uh, and if you have bought one of my books, please, I beg of you, leave a review on Amazon for me of that book. It's much appreciated. So uh, that's about it. Until next time, this is David saying, uh, geez, what am I going to say today? I don't know. Take it easy.